Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Bibles this morning, if you have them, if you don't have them, shame on you. The book of Matthew chapter 5, we used this scripture last week, I'm going to use it for the next several weeks. I'm starting a series, actually I started yesterday uh, when we did the uh, breakfast in the morning, and the series is called How to Live as the Light in the World of Darkness. And amazingly, the name of this part of the message is, I will not be silent. And the, the, the worship team didn't know this. They sang that song, I will not be silent. As long as I have breath, I'll not be silent. Now, yesterday morning, I started the series off with the words of Jesus where he said, as in the days of Noah, and of course, in the days of Noah, the world was very wicked. The ver- world was very evil. But the most important part about that scripture is Noah gave warnings. God gave warnings for 120 years. And those all around were not paying attention to the warning signs. And so yesterday we taught about the sign that's in our nation, it's in the world, preparing us for the Antichrist. And Today I want to talk about another sign. So read with me in the book of Matthew chapter 5, and let's start with verse 11. Jesus said these words, Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name, in my name. Now, I don't want to emphasize this, but the reason I wanted to start with this is to understand that in the coming of the Messiah, there are going to be those that are going to make the church and Christians the enemy. As a matter of fact, everybody has a right to their own opinion except the church nowadays. And that's why we have to decide that even though there is going to be People who are going to come against the church. Yesterday we talked about how our world is being prepared, how our country is being prepared. Don't don't be loyal to a nation. Don't be loyal to a flag because they want you loyal to the world. And this is the preparation of the the Antichrist. And the, the way that comes about is let's eliminate God from our country, from our world, it started with unto I thought maybe I was just going deaf. Thanks, Brandon. Check, check. Check, check. <laughs> Do I know you? <laughs> So it's, it's been, you know, I, I told the, 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 the church yesterday, I said, there's a great thing to watch. I think it's on Netflix called The Hungarian Jew. And we saw this when we were in Auschwitz uh, last month. 
that everybody that testified that went through the Holocaust said, you got to understand, it didn't happen overnight. It was a little strange and then a little stranger and things changed. And so that's what we want you to be aware of. But the ones who bring this about, understand this, are anti-God. They do not want the presence of God in the world. So read with me. Blessed are they when you revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. A friend of mine uh, had a very large church, very prominent ministry. He stood up uh, in the pulpit a few weeks ago in the church against Target for promoting to children gay pride stuff. And 3,000 members of his church got up and walked out. So what you've got to understand is this, this false teaching is permeating the church and we need to decide we won't be silent and how do we address this. Verse 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now look at what Jesus says here, not to the pastor, not to the church, but to us as individuals. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt shall lose its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, we talked about salt as being a symbol of prosperity a couple weeks ago, but salt also was a preservative. And he's talking about you and I being the salt of the earth. We're to preserve the morals. We're going to talk about this next week, the morals of the world. And he says, if we don't, if you and I don't remain the salt, then we're good for nothing. We're not just here to sing kumbaya. We're not just here to be entertained. We're here to be the salt of the earth, to preserve the moral teachings of Almighty God in the world. And if we don't do that, God says, then we're good for nothing. We'll be thrown out. And the world is trying to throw us out. We'll be thrown out. And then when we're thrown out, we won't be just neutral. We'll be trampled on. Look what it says in verse 14. You're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid nor do they light a lamp and put it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think I came to destroy the law. Now, remember, in Greek, the word law means legalism. But in Hebrew, the word law means the Bible. It literally means a pathway. Everybody say pathway. pathway. It's real important that you understand it. The word law that we think means legalism in Hebrew is the word Torah, the Torah, the Bible, and it means a guidance, a pathway. Jesus said, do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill to show you how to live this way. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth passes away, 
not one jot or one little tittle will by any means pass from the law, the pathway of God. And without getting into it too much, the word jot uh, our tittle is where we get the word yod, and the word yod is like in all the Hebrew alphabet, it's one little comma. And whenever you see that little comma, it means it's the presence of God. It's the power of God. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth passes away, not one jot or one tittle, not one yod, will by means pass from the path till all is fulfilled. Whosoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men to do so. In three weeks, we're going to talk about false prophets. Whoever breaks these commandments and teaches, especially from the pulpit, teaches men to do so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray right now, because I need God's anointing in these next few weeks. Lift your hands up towards heaven. Father, I ask you to bring an anointing into this place, an anointing that makes your word come alive. Father, I ask that my words be only your words, that you give me a mind of Christ to speak and give us all ears to hear and eyes to see. And we'll give you all the praise in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, who is the Messiah. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Look at this. You are the light of the world. The Hebrew word for light means an illumination or an agent that makes something visible. In the day and age in which so many things are being taught in our government, in our schools, around the world, that are contrary to the word of God, God says you are the illumination or you're the agent from heaven that makes something visible. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, God said, and let there be light. And we know, I, I don't want to take time to teach this, but we know this is several verses before he created the sun and the moon. So when God said, let there be light, what he's saying is everywhere we go, everything we do, let there be light. Let there be illumination of the goodness of God. As a matter of fact, the way it reads in ancient Hebrew is God said, let there be light, 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 light. So in other words, wherever we go, Jesus is going with us, and wherever Jesus is, he is the light of the world, and as his Father sent him, he sends us. Wherever we go, we are to be the light, 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 light that illuminates and brings things into view. The word light also means that giving order to something that is chaotic. Now think about this in Genesis. When God says the world was without form, it was void, it was full of darkness, the world was chaotic. And God said, the first thing he says was, when you are the light of the world, go into that light and give order to things that are chaotic. Our world has never been more chaotic than it is right now. 
You think about what they're trying to teach our kids in school. You think about what they're trying to do. You think about the police officers that we had a few weeks ago talking about right here in Dallas, right here in the buckle of the Bible belt, that sex trafficking and abuse of children and kidnapping of young girls and young boys is, 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 is epi, it's, how do I say it? It's epidemic. It's, it's, it's growing and growing faster than the drug market. Our world and what they're teaching in schools about having your children neutered and, your, and, and sex change, our world is chaotic. There has never been more important time in the history of the world than right now as the world is preparing for the coming of the Antichrist. You and I need to be the light of the world preparing for the second coming of the Messiah. In Romans 6, 23, a scripture that we use all the time says these words. It says, the wages of sin is death. Now, here's the problem. Is the church so many times over the years, instead of reaching out a hand to help, we end up pointing an accusing finger. And we use this. The wages of sin is death. But we forget that the word sin isn't exactly what we think it is. In Hebrew, the word sin is the word hata, which means simply to miss the mark. So when God says, and I want you to listen to this, because you know one of the questions that we came up yesterday, great, great questions yesterday at breakfast, one of the questions is, how do we answer people who say we don't have love because we say these things are wrong. So I'm not only going to show you what the word of God says, I'm going to show you how to give an answer. So when the Bible says the wages of sin is death, the word sin means to miss the mark. Now, when this was written, you need to understand that the Hebrews were a nomadic tribe leading their sheep and their goats in the desert. If you've been to Israel and you've seen the desert and you've seen the Bedouin tribes out there with the sheep and the goat, you look at the desert and there are no landmarks. As a matter of fact, the desert shifts all the time. The sands from the wind shift, so you can't like, oh, I see that mountain, I'll follow that mountain. In the desert, they would put markers out in the desert so that while they're walking with their families, with their herds, with their sheep, with their flocks, they would follow these markers because if they miss the mark, now remember the wages of sin. Sin means missing the mark. So if they're out in the desert and they miss the mark and get off the path, they're going to die. They'll die, their sheep dies, their herds die because those markers lead them in the middle of the desert to the next watering hole. The marker leads them to the next pasture where their sheep can graze. That's why Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me, he puts me on a path 
because he wants me to live and he leads me besides those still waters. He leads me to green pastures. So if we get off the path, the Bible says the wages of sin, missing that mark, brings about death. Now listen to this. Jeremiah 31, 21 says, God sets up road markers and establishes signposts. Isaiah 43 said, God will make a way, a roadway for me in the desert or in the wilderness. This is exactly what God means when he says, the wages of sin is death. The moment you are conceived, your soul, your spirit stands before God and God gives that you and I a destiny. So when we come, he puts us on that road. If we're walking this road, it's going to lead us to that destiny. It's going to lead us to the living waters. It's going to lead us to the green pastures. But if we get off, if we miss the mark and we get off the path, our destiny of all of God's blessing and goodness ends up dying in the wilderness. Can you see it in the can you see the picture of it? Now look at this. The Hebrew word for wicked or the Hebrew word for unrighteous, same word is the word rasha. And the word rasha, wicked or unrighteous literally means lost from the path. So we're walking in this path and God Jesus has come to give us life and that life more abundant. But somewhere along the line, Satan tries to get you, I, our family, the world, our country, tries to make it. And when we say wicked, we say, oh, they're wicked. Those are wicked people. Those are unrighteous people. The word righteous in Hebrew means on the path. So we're righteous because Jesus has not only saved us, but through saving us, He's put us on the path by following the word of God. If we get off the path, this is where we get the word unrighteous or wicked. And it's not that God hates us. He hates sin because sin causes you to get lost in the wilderness. And eventually that destiny that he has for us dies in the wilderness. You know, there was a uh, pastor, a uh, very famous pastor. There's a lot of pastors that are doing this right now. And the Bible says, unfortunately, can, can I get a glass, uh, a thing of water? The Bible says, unfortunately, that in the last days, there's going to be false teachers. Let me just have a sip of yours, Mom. Those, those sores in my mouth are almost healed, so... Unfortunately, there are people in the pulpit. There's a pastor, and, and, and I'm not doing Lashon Harab because he, he put it all over the internet and everything. And he got up in church, and he said these words. He said, I want to apologize to anyone who has said to you, this is a pastor, huge church, anyone who has said to you, Jesus said, God said, or the Bible said. He said, I want to apologize to anyone who a Christian has told you that. 
Because once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can live whatever way you want to live. We're saved by grace. Some of the other pastors are saying, as a matter of fact, if you try to live holy, you are negating the grace of God. Well, I'm sorry. I believe in the grace of God. I was a heroin addict. I was a drug dealer. I was a dope dealer. Came in and got saved by grace. There's nothing I did to earn my salvation. Not one thing. It was by grace. But just like the woman caught in the act of adultery, Jesus said, now I don't accuse you either. Go and sin no more unless a worse thing comes on you. Now, you're going to have to wait to find out, but think about it. They were about to stone her to death, and Jesus said, go and sin no more, lest something worse than being stoned to death comes on you. That's food for thought. So what if they'd have said that to me? What if, they'd, what if I would have gone to this pastor's church, and he said, you know, now that you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't let anybody tell you how to live. You live whichever way you want to live because you're saved by grace. Had I done that, Jesus put me on the path, but had I stayed a drug addict, I would have gotten off the path, and the destiny that God had for me, the wages of that sin would have died. I would have not married Tiz. I would have not had my children. I would not have my grandsugars. I would not have you as, as my church. I would not have the destiny of that. I would not be meeting the president and meeting the uh, uh, of um, United States, meeting the president of Israel. All of that, I would have been saved by grace, but all of that would have died because I got off the path. Thank God when I got saved, they said, all right, you're saved by grace. But the Bible now will tell you and church will tell you and the word of God will tell you this is how you are to live. Then he said these words. He said, because nobody can tell you this is what the Bible said because the first church for 325 years had no Bible. Well, he's lying. Now, the Bible wasn't written until... 325 years after the time of Jesus, the New Testament wasn't written at the Council of Nicaea, the Roman emperor, but go all the way back to before the church ever began and Jesus would say, it is written, it is written, it is written. In the New Testament, I think it's around a thousand times or more that the Old Testament is being taught and being quoted. So when Jesus said, it is written, what's he talking about? He's talking about the Torah. He's talking about the Ten Commandments. So since Mount Sinai, we have had the Bible, Mr. Pastor, liar, liar, pants on fire. And we are known how to live, and we have every right to say, this is what the Bible said. This is what Jesus said, because Jesus was quoting what the Father said, and his word never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I have an amen? amen. Don't let anybody tell you how to live. Well, I thank God that God's word and the church that I grew up in preached the Bible. 
preach the word of God. The word Torah, Bible, means the path. That's what it means. It means the path. It means teacher. It means guidance. It means direction. When you are in this world, there's a lot of things out there that will try to pull you off the path because Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, and I'm going to really teach this next week, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. You know, when we lived in Oregon all the time, Nancy and Don and I talk about this, all the time you'll, you'll turn on the news and it'll say, uh, hikers found dead in the mountains. And the reason they're found dead is they're up there hiking. You know, they're usually from L.A. And when you're up hiking in the mountains or up, you're skiing up in the mountains, they have big signs that say, don't stray from the path. But people always go, oh, you know what? I, I, I know this is the path, but I'm going to take my own way. And the next thing you know, they got a search party out trying to find them because they got off the path. Think about it. Jesus said, yeah, there's a heaven. But he said, while you're here on earth, I've come to give you life. And I've come to give you an abundant life. So stay on the path. A lot of our church world has gotten off the path. A lot of our country has gotten off the path. And when you get off the path, you miss the water, you miss the green pastures, and because it's not God doing it, it's because you got off the path, everything that God had planned for us ends up dying. So that's why the Bible says the wages of sin, missing the mark, missing the mark, this is why we bring our Bibles to, to church. This is why we do life Bible studies at home because we read and when we're out in the world and we're here and this and that, but we come back to the word of God, the word of God is the marker so that we know that we're on the path. The Bible says, I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. The word righteous again is the word steady. You, you, go, to, you go to Israel and you see a lot of the Orthodox Jews, and that's the Hebrew word for righteous. And all the word righteous means is on the path. We're on the path. You know, this pastor said, well, we don't have to, we don't have to uh, read the Bible because in the first church there was no Bible. Well, we already proved that he's a false teacher. And I don't mind saying that. You know, the Bible says, call no man a fool. So I would never say he's a fool, but he is an idiot. Well, there was no Bible in the first church. Well, there was no cell phones either. There were no cars either. There were no flushing toilets either. So if you're going to use one, you got to use them all. But we've already proved there was a Bible and Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with that. I came to show you how it works. And I came to connect the whole Gentile world to that. But remember, the object of the Antichrist is to remove God and his righteousness 
from our path. Look at Malachi chapter 13, or chapter 3, verse 18. It's an interesting, interesting scripture, and it doesn't quite read well in English. It says, then you shall again, and the word again is the wrong word from the Hebrew. It literally reads, then you shall return. The word return is what we get, the word, is the word in Hebrew, teshuvah. Remember in Malachi, right before this, it says, return unto me, and I will return to you, right? Teshuvah, return to me. So he says, God says, then you shall return, teshuvah, which is also the word repent, get back on the path, and you shall discern between the righteous, those who are on the path, and the wicked, those who are off the path between him that serves God and him that does not serve God. It's interesting that one of the words in Hebrew for wicked or unrighteous is the word in Hebrew, evel. Take a wild guess what English word we get out of evel. Evil. So he says, you're going to discern when you get back on the path, you'll be able to discern those who are around you and especially those who are leading you, either leading you down the path or leading you off the path and into evil. Interesting side note is that the word evel or wicked or unrighteous, the numerical value of that is 600. The word for snare or trap, kafa, is also the word for 600, numerical value of 600. In a nutshell, what does that mean? That means that when you get on the path and the devil tries to lead you into evil off the path, he has a snare and a trap waiting to destroy your life. So the simple thing is stay on the path. You know, every time I say those words to myself when I'm working it, stay on the path, I can't help but think of Eddie Murphy in uh, The Golden Child. And he's heading for it. He goes, stay on the path. <laughs> I'm secular, I know. <laughs> so how do we answer this when we're saying what the Word of God says and the world says this is hate speech? If you speak against transgender, if you speak against homosexuality, if you speak against lesbianism, this is hate speech. And unfortunately, a lot of churches are teaching this. Even some Christian schools are teaching it. This is hate speech. Well, they used to go along with that as we're quoting the word of God. One of the most, most infamous or famous scriptures they use is found in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged. Right? Now, remember, I'm not talking about pointing a finger. I'm talking about reaching out a hand. So when Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged, you've got to understand that in Hebrew. He says, no matter what this person has done, don't say that person can't be forgiven. There is no sin that can't be forgiven. It doesn't matter what it is. Now, in saying that, Somebody said to me the other day, well, all sin is equal. I'm sorry, not all sin is not equal. 
The Bible says there are some sins unto death. All sin is not equal. How many believe you should not murder? You don't believe? No. How many believe murder is a sin? How many believe you shouldn't gossip? How many believe gossiping, which is murdering someone's name, but murdering someone's body, how many understand that, you know, you, the police knock at your door. You're under arrest for what? Gossip. Life in the electric chair. It's not the same. Both of them are sin, but they're not equal sins. How many believe you ought not commit adultery? I want to see every hand up here. You don't sleep with someone you're not married to. Sex is not bad. Sex is a gift from God. Read the Song of Solomon. Some of you men are going to study the Bible for the first time in years. Sex is a gift from God, but it's the marriage bed that is undefiled. You don't sleep with someone you're not married to. Until you say, I do, you don't. Say amen. Well, pastor, that's old-fashioned. Really, ask your wife if that's old-fashioned. The Bible says you're not to sleep with someone you're not married to. It also says you're not to look on a woman with lust. If you look on a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. Well, go ask your wife if, you know what, honey, uh, I, I looked at someone and I thought she was attractive, so I went ahead and slept with her because it's the same. Oh, don't, don't shout me down now because I'm getting close to home. It's not the same thing. Say amen. We've got to understand that there are levels of sin. Yeah, God hates all sin because it gets you off the path. But we've got to understand that when the Bible says, judge not unless you be judged, what that's saying is, is that you are never to say to someone, you can never be forgiven. When I walked in the church, I walked in a drug dealer. I walked in a drug addict. I was doing heroin and cocaine, putting needles in my arm, and Jesus didn't say, go get cleaned up and then come back. It's a come-as-you-are party. Whoever you are, come, all of you, come, all of you, and I'll give you rest. But that rest is that not only did he forgive me, but he delivered me from that Adamic nature. Amen? So when it says judge not lest you be judged, it doesn't mean that we say, you know what? We don't say, you know what? That behavior is wrong. That's not what it says. It says no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, when you come to Jesus, he takes my sin and your sin, drops it in the deepest part of the ocean and puts a sign over it that says no swimming, no diving. Don't ever let anybody bring that up again. But part of that is teshuvah, returning to the path and repenting for what we've done. Jesus said in Matthew 18, he said, if you have 99 sheep and one of them goes astray, leave the 99 that are still on the path and go get the one who fell in the ditch. Amen? That's our job. Our job is not to say, well, I'm not going to say anything. 
I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to be accused of anything. No, our job is to say something. Our job is to say, you know what? Let me help you up out of that ditch. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Let me tell you what Jesus did for my pastor. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Let me help you out of that ditch because when you get back on the path, man, you're headed. What you've been looking for out there in the world is not out there, but you get on the path, he will lead you beside still waters. He'll lead you be into green pastures. That's the shepherd that we have. Hebrews 12, 6 without reading the whole thing, says God chastens those he loves. And it goes on to say, just like an earthly father will chasten his child. How many have ever met somebody that's child is, how do I put it biblically, a brat? (laughs) You ever been to the grocery store and Mama's in line and the kid's pulling us stuff off the camera. I want, I want, I want, I want. And everything in me wants to say, you know what? You need to take the Board of Education and place that on the seat of learning. The Bible says a man who loves his child will sometimes spank his child. I'm not talking about child abuse. Listen, I, I was... Uh, my, my father beat us up. I'm not talking about that. You beat your kid up, we're going to take you in the back, and all seven of us are going to lay hands on you. Amen. I'm talking about raising a child up because that's love. Jesus goes, or Paul goes on to say, he said, nobody enjoys it. I can remember a, a, a friend of mine when we were pastor in Australia, and his son was about to get spanked, and he saw dad coming, and he goes, I'm on fire! I'm on fire! <laughs> Dad didn't even touch him yet, but he was prophesying. <laughs> he was calling those things which were not as though they were going to be. That's love. If you have a, a baby that's crawling around and he keeps sticking things in the light socket, you're eventually going to go to that child and go, no. I can remember the first time, the, 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 the twins, the Grand Sugars, I can remember, you know, because they, they always were with us, stayed with us, and I mean, it was just the greatest time in our life. And one time, uh, was it Asher or Judah? Judah, and, and I said, Judah, no. And he goes, Saba told me no. <laughs> never, never had Saba tell them no. They got, got away with everything. But Saba told them no. If your child is sticking it's something in the light socket, you're going to tink its finger because that tinking of the finger is more love than the electricity coming out of that light socket. That's love. Love is not just letting anybody do what they're going to do and be off the path because that will kill them and destroy the destiny of God. Love is to say, here's the right way to live. Listen, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. They can come up with all kinds of arguments about transgender and same sex and all these other things they're trying to bring into our schools. And by the way, 
a second and third and fourth grader is not someone that you talk to sex about. And don't tell me, well, we're just trying to inform them. No, you're trying to indoctrinate them. These are kids who still believe a fat man in a red suit comes down a chimney brought by flying reindeers to bring you Christmas presents, which is for the younger people absolutely true. Don't tell me you're not trying to indoctrinate them. For you to live one way is one thing, but you to recruit our children, this is war. Right? My ways are above your ways. Proverbs 14 says, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are ways of death. A backslider in his heart ends up being filled with his own ways. Now, tomorrow, next week I'm going to show you what the word backslider means. It's going to blow your mind. It is going to absolutely blow your mind. But listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. He said, unless you build your house on the rock, when the storm comes, it's going to collapse. The rock is the word of God. Jesus is the rock. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. So unless we see someone and they're building their life on temporary sand, when the storm hits, they're going to be destroyed. So our job in love is to say, listen, God doesn't hate you. God loves you, but there's a better way. Jesus has come to give you life and life more abundant. Whatever you're looking for out there, what I was looking for in the drugs and in everything else that I was doing, I found it all more exceedingly abundantly above anything I could ask or think in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not in a religion, not in sitting in a church pew, but lifting my hands and worshiping a living God that I met and came in my heart. It changed not only my destiny in eternity, it changed my life. You know, before I got saved, I was a drug dealer. I lived in Columbia, South America. When I got saved, there were seven federal warrants out for my arrest, and so I left St. Louis. I felt led of the Lord to leave St. Louis and move to Arizona, and a bunch of my friends heard that I was in a church, Larry Huck in a church, and I was going into Mexico on missions trips. So they all started coming out, yeah, mission trips. He's using the church to go into Mexico and smuggle drugs back in. But one by one, when they came out, they gave their lives to the Lord because I told them the truth, and the truth that we know will set them free. How can they believe in him they haven't met? And how can they meet him unless someone tells them? So what the devil's trying to do through intimidation is say, you know what, just be quiet. They're going to accuse you of hate. They're going to accuse you of prejudice. They're going to accuse you of this. But in reality, we're the ones that have love because if someone's going down the road and the bridge is out, we don't say, well, we don't want to disturb you. We flag them down and say, excuse me, the bridge is out. Come back this way because it's going to lead you to green pastures and still waters. Can I have an amen? amen? Build your house on the rock. 
Jesus said to Peter, who do you say? I mean, he said, you're the burden-removing, yoke-destroying. He said, on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell won't win. And as I said the other day, it literally means not only when the gates of hell attack, rise up and attack evil. Now, we battle not with flesh and blood. We don't battle with flesh and blood, but we do battle with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. And it's coming out. When Target came out with baby stuff of gay lesbian and homosexuality the same guy that produced the gay pride stuff also produced right next to it worshiping of satan stuff when when pastor troy took a team down to austin texas to stand up for normal marriages of male and female two or three thousand gays came out men six foot men dressed in dresses and high heels shouting this slogan we are here, we are queer, we're not going anywhere and carrying signs into our capital shouting, Satan rules. And thankfully, Pastor Troy, and one guy, they, he brought one pastor down. He brought one pastor down just to see it. The guy was real timid and, and he's standing there and one guy, six foot guy in a dress and high heels came up behind him and sucker punched him and knocked him down. So much for love. So much for love, but they're shouting, Satan rules. Satan rules. Folks, we battle not with flesh and blood. When Jesus took me in as a drug addict and a drug dealer, he said, come as you are. But it wasn't God that made me a drug addict. It was Satan because he's the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy but Jesus has come to give life. And so now they're coming out and they're, and, and they're being blatant about it, Satan rules. You know, I was thinking about this, and I, I forgot to say it. Happy Father's Day to everybody. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Amen? But, you know, think about this. Fathers, fathers and mothers. We, we, we celebrate Father's Day one day a year. We celebrate Mother's Day one day a year. We celebrate... Independence Day, one day a year. We celebrate Veterans Day, people who fought to make our country one day a year. We celebrate Memorial Day, those who died for this country, one day a year. But all of a sudden, we're celebrating gay pride, 30 days. You take all the heroes, Martin Luther King Day, George Washington, take all of our heroes that we celebrate and we put them all together and we celebrate Gay pride more than all of them combined? We battle not with flesh and blood. But you better know something. We do battle. But I read it in the book. We win. Amen? You know, in, in Portland, I'm, I'm closing. In Portland, they... How many years ago, 25, 28 years ago, they tried to bring the same-sex marriage into Portland. And so a bunch of us got together. We brought in Dr. Dobson. Remember Dr. Dobson, focus on the family. We brought him in to speak on it to stop it because it's not right. And we can do all the statistics of children being raised up without a dad, without a mom. You've heard them until you don't hear them anymore. But we brought them in. I remember one church. We were, we were the second largest church in Portland. 
the other church, the largest church, we invited the pastor and he said, well, if I come, he said, I'll, uh, I'll lose half my congregation either way. Well, you know, we have a saying, you choose who you lose. Vote with your feet, we need your seat. Because if we don't stand up for righteous, because it's the good of God for people. We're, we, 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 we have a form of godliness, but we're denying the power, the anointing of that. And I remember that there's big, the, the, the gay and lesbian community, they boycotted every church. They picketed every church. They didn't picket our church. And the reason is, is we didn't treat the gay and lesbian community like they're evil, wicked, sinful people. And maybe it's because I'm from the streets and I know what evil and wicked and sinful I was. But we did say, when you come to Jesus, who the sun sets free will be free indeed. We actually had, we actually had a women's softball team in our church that won the, the state championship like six, seven, eight years in a row. And they had all been women truck drivers and stuff. They wanted to play the men on staff. We go... And they all got married. They all had children. They all, and so we're not talking about people being the enemy. We're talking about the one who wants to get us off the path because he has a trap waiting to destroy someone's destiny. Amen. So actually, to tell the truth is actually love. The Bible says in 1 Peter, be prepared to give account. Be prepared to give account when people ask you, be of account. But he said, do it in respect and gentleness. It says Colossians 4 says, let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. God says, my word will not come back void. And I declare I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, maybe it's easy for me because I know what it is. I walked into that church, seven federal warrants out for my arrest. Now, if I was at a different church, I would tell everybody I had a ranch in Columbia, South America, and I was in the import-export business of all natural substances. And I walked in, and I heard the story of Jesus, and I gave him my life. Needle marks up and down my arms, several, seven federal warrants out for my arrest. Been selling to a narcotics agent for two years, and Jesus took me in. But thankfully, they said, now you need to come back. You need to get in Bible study. You need to hear the word of God and, I, and, and, and get filled with the Holy Spirit. I can remember the day I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't want it. But God filled me. It's the power. That's why Jesus said, don't leave. That's why the devils, the devils try to take the Holy Spirit out of the church. Listen, when you come to church and these guys are leading you in worship, lift up your hands. God inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. I got filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. Didn't want it. Didn't know what it was. Scared me to death. The girl with me said, what happened? I said, I have no idea. Blah, 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 blah. Next morning, I got up and rolled a joint because I always rolled a pack of cigarettes full of joint. How many know what a joint is? <laughs> See, some of you are going. 
And you know what? I, wrote, I looked at the, the girls who were living in a shack out in the woods, and I said, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to I, I come down from the high I'm on. You know, on the day of Pentecost, they said, they, said, they accused Peter, and they said, they're drunk. And Peter didn't say we weren't. He said, we're just not drunk as you suppose. Listen, there's a high in Jesus that you can't smoke, drop, shoot, and it's free. Oh, come on, somebody. Uh, am, I, am I being too real? I didn't want it anymore because it would have dulled my senses to what I was feeling in having Jesus Christ. There's a difference between going to church and serving the Lord. It's a big difference. We need to get back to serving the Lord. Stay on the path. The Bible says that, and I really do close with this, I think. The Bible says that you're the light of the world. And we're to let our light so shine. Not in being holier than thou, not in being self-righteous, because there's none righteous, no, not one, except it's Jesus who put us on the right path. But he said, and, he, and here's the thing that I really believe is a prophetic word. In, in, in the Bible, everything God does is physical and spiritual, right? And I'm going to hit on this, and I think in the third week with false prophets, false teachers. But the Bible says in the last days, there's going to be a great falling away. There's going to be a great falling away. And when I first got saved, I thought the churches will be empty. The, whole, the churches will be empty. And in the physical sense, that's what COVID tried to do, is empty the churches. It's amazing. You could go in the casino but you couldn't go in the church. And if you came to church, you couldn't sing because God inhabits the praises of his people. Oh, come on, somebody, help me. This is too good, right? So in the physical sense, the devil tried to cause a great falling away, and it's happened. Almost every church I know has people that left during COVID and not come back. They've not come back to church Every across. But the other part is a spiritual, and the spiritual falling away is, one is because there's a sifting between the tares and the wheat, because the last re revival, the last harvest, the last blessing is gonna be greater than the farmer. And you have to decide if you're gonna be a part of it. I have to decide if I'm gonna be a part of it. But the other thing is, is that it says because of because of persecution, troubled times, the love of many will grow cold. And if you read that, it's an interesting thing. It says, because of persecution, the love of many will grow, of God's children will grow cold. They're gonna go, you know what? I don't wanna cause any problems. I'm just gonna stay away. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna retire. I'm gonna go live in the mountains. I'm gonna, because, we don't want any trouble. But Jesus said, don't worry. 
They came after me and I rose from the dead. Can you imagine what I'm going to do for you? Right? And so he says, so he says, you're the, you're the light of the world. But God didn't give us a light so that we would hide that light and put it under a basket. So the darker it gets out there, the brighter our light needs to shine. And if we put that light, if we hide that light, how dark will it be? But if we unveil that light and each and every one of us becomes the light of the world. I read the end of the book. The only way darkness can exist is with the absence of light. And you and I, thank God, are given a commission by Jesus. Go ye into all the world and preach the good news. The good news is what you're looking for is Jesus Christ. Get on the path because we're heading towards living water. If you receive that, give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Stand with me all over the building if you would. And I'm not going to take time. I've, I've gone eight minutes over my allotted time. And they said if I go nine minutes, they'll fire me. Let's pray this together. Take your neighbor's hands all across the building. And if you've never met Jesus or you've fallen away or maybe you've been thinking about hiding your light to be safe you know there's an old saying that if you sit on the fence you get shot from both sides <laughs> right choose a side me and my family we're serving the Lord and we're letting everybody know come as you are what a wonderful wonderful Savior we have Lift your neighbor's hand up. Let's say this all over the building together. And you that are watching around the world, thank you for being with us. Say it with us because you're part of our family. Say this out loud. Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all our sins. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this like somebody that's the baddest guy in the valley. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my body. Get out of my home. Get out of my family. Get out of my finances. Get out of my future. I declare every curse is reversed and every blessing is received not someday but today in jesus name amen and amen give the lord a clap offering because we're all saved by grace amen we didn't all this is good, now gonna sing a solo we didn't all forget to wish you happy father's day <laughs> i said we didn't all forget about father's day <laughs> No, what a message, though, for fathers to be the leaders in their family, in their home, and in life.
And we want to wish you happy Father's Day, Father of the House, and wish you all happy Father's Day. And we have donuts in the lobby for you. So hang out, fellowship a little bit, enjoy your beautiful day. And they're all calorie-free donuts on Father's Day. We love you.